0: Jesus, we love you. We love you. Lord, I love you. I love your presence. I love what I feel this morning. I love your nearness. And I'm asking God you would come and release your presence in a greater way this morning, I pray. That you would release upon us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. That you'd open the eyes of our understanding. we would comprehend you in a way that we haven't comprehended you before. God, I'm asking. You would speak to us by your spirit. According to the riches of your glory. We would know the glory of the Lord. We would know the glory of the Lord. Understand this amazing mystery. God who manifests himself among men. Lord, come come in even a greater measure now we desire you we desire you we love you Lord good the name of Jesus everybody said amen amen a little bit louder come on amen all right so I make sure I'm not here by myself we're gonna continue in a series that we're in uh, about the glory of the Lord we started last week, and so you're we getting part two uh, if you weren't here last week. And so uh, I realized several years ago that I'd never heard uh, not one message about the glory of the Lord. I'd heard different uh, ministers say different things. Um, mostly stuff that, you know, it's not necessarily right or wrong, but stuff that you don't, more, mostly stuff that was experiential rather than biblical. And, uh, and that's fine, but um, I decided I, I want to get a biblical basis for understanding this, this, this thing. We, we throw this term around all the time, the glory of the Lord, the glory of the Lord. I said, I want to get what the Bible says about this thing rooted inside of me because it's something we say we want but you know I've I, like many many things I realize we learn the catchphrase in Christianity but we have no concept of what the thing means we just kind of you know we throw it around it's in a song or something we just sing it say it whatever but we don't even under have any understanding many times and that's what I realized and so uh, last week we launched into this uh this series and uh you know for me I just, I just decide I want to talk about the glory of the Lord. I want to talk about it, meditate on it, study, and, and believe that as we talk about the glory of the Lord, that we'll come to faith in, in what this is, believing in God's glory manifest among people. And maybe if we talk enough about the glory of the Lord, the glory of the Lord will manifest among us. That's, and that's what, I'm, that's what I'm shooting for. And so... Um, I may not make a lot of good points today, but at least we'll talk about God's glory for a while. I'm going to make a few points. But uh, I want that. I want the manifestation of the presence of the Lord in our midst in a, in a great way. And so just to give an overview, uh, a review a little bit from last week, we talked about different ways the word glory is used, and it's used probably five or six different ways in Scripture. Um, you know, one I didn't mention last week is, you know, um, like the Colossians 3, we shall be, uh, when, we, when he comes, we'll be revealed with him in glory. In glory. Sometimes glory is used for, to talk about our eternal home in heaven. In glory. But the, the version of glory that we're interested in is the, the uh, definition of it is when God manifests his attributes and his nature. He manifests fests who he is internally uh, among people. All the beauty, the power, the uh, the 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 attributes, the emotion, the personality of God—that whole package—when He takes who He is and manifests it uh, among people, that's the definition we're looking for. The, the Hebrew term is um, "kavod." They, uh, I had a couple guys that that know Hebrew a little better than me, which is probably most people, but uh, they said it's it's got the V sound in it, not the B sound, so it's. It's the light b, which is really a v in Hebrew. It's a kavod, kavod. And I was saying kabad last week. They said no, brother. It's kavod. And I said I think it might have the sound at the beginning. They said no, brother. It's a k sound at the beginning. So it's kavod, kavod. Kevin Dangler, God bless you. Thank you for helping me straighten me out. It's kavod, and uh, and so that's that word kavod. It means the weightiness. The weightiness, the, the, the weight of God, that which is inside of him, that's the weighty part of the depths of who he is, that manifestation among us, the kavod. And I uh, have believed for quite some time that we can be a people with the manifestation of God's, I'm not talking about his omnipresence, I'm not talking about a light sense of the nearness of the Lord. I'm talking about the weight of God manifest among a people in a, in a dramatic way that drives out demons, that burns out cancer, that destroys sickness and disease, that makes depressions melt and changes everything. I believe that, there, that that kavod, the weightiness of who God is, the emanation of God, can be manifest in a tangible way among a people. I believe that. I believe that for a long time. And uh, the more I'm studying it, I'm realizing that's really, really true. In fact, I really believe that was God's full intention for Israel. That when he brought Israel out to the desert, that they wouldn't simply be a people that watched Moses experience power encounters, but that they would be a people that were all experiencing power encounters because the weight of God's glory was resting on the entire encampment of 2.2 million people. And so... uh, Anyway, what I want to do this morning is I want to focus on the, the first major manifestation of the glory of the Lord that we see in Scripture, which is Israel at Mount Sinai. Israel at Mount Sinai. They come out of Egypt, and they, they, they journey for three months, and what happens is they encamp at Mount Sinai. And uh, historically, there's a little question about what, which mountain that is. There's a couple of videos out there that kind of put that thing into question. But what I begin to do is I begin to study the, the, uh, the power encounters that they had at Sinai. And I didn't even realize this. But if you look in the Bible, from Exodus 3, when Moses first gets the burning bush, all the way through... The 10 plagues that hit Egypt, the Red Sea splitting, the, uh, the manna first raining down, the glory of the Lord resident on Mount Sinai, Moses going up into the mountain a couple different times, all the way through the establishment, the, the building of the tabernacle, the glory of the Lord appearing, uh, Nadab and Abihu getting killed by the glory of the Lord because they offer strange fire, all the way from Exodus 3 to Numbers 10. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, that whole chunk of time, that takes place in about 18 months. Exodus 3 to Numbers 10 takes place in about 18 months. What we get in the rest of Numbers is a few of the things that happen. And then Deuteronomy, this is cool if you, if you want to study this, Deuteronomy is about a 30-day uh, preaching from Moses. Basically, the whole of Deuteronomy, Moses, he does three messages, and he preaches the whole thing in 30 days. So Deuteronomy is 30 days. Exodus 3 to Numbers 10 is 18 months. You end up with 38 years that's mostly missing because they're walking around in the desert. I mean, you know, the Lord could describe it. Yeah, they got up ate some manna, you know, hung around, went to bed. You know, you read that for 30, you know, you, you might think reading through Leviticus is a little challenging with all the laws and stuff. Read through living through the desert, living in the desert for 37 and a half years with not much happening. So my point is this, the 18 months that happens from the time that uh, Moses sees the burning bush When they actually depart from the Mount Mount of the uh, area of Sinai, the Mount Sinai area, uh, that's where most of the power encounters happen there with the nation of Israel. So much happens in that time, and so I wanted to focus on the glory of the Lord that's revealed at Sinai. They're at Sinai about eleven months. The nation of Israel is at Sinai at about, about 11 months, and there's so much crammed in that 11-month period of time. And that's what I want to focus on this morning, the glory of the Lord on Sinai. The glory of the Lord on Sinai. And you realize that when you look at this thing, so much happens when they're at Sinai. They show up. God, first thing that happens, he goes, in three days, I'm going I'm to appear to you guys. Power comes down on the mountain. The Lord shows uh, his glory to 70 elders. The Lord gives them the Ten Commandments. He speaks them audibly from Sinai. He speaks them audibly. Can you imagine what that would be like to be sitting there amongst a congregation of over two million people and you hear the voice of the Lord audibly thunder the Ten Commandments? That would make an impression on you. He gives them... uh, all the, the laws, the societal laws, the moral laws. He gives them all the dietary laws. He, he gives them the, uh, the directions for how they're going to worship. Building the tabernacle. He, he tells them how to make the tabernacle. Every fine little thing that they do in making the tabernacle, which was their big, you know, uh, the epicenter of their people, uh, where they worshiped for 40 years. He gives them all the information of that at Sinai. They build it at Sinai. He gives them the specifics, the the high priest garments, the the anointing oil. He gives them the the plan for consecration of the priesthood, all of that at Sinai. He gives them where the the children of Israel are going to encamp around the tabernacle, all of that at Sinai. That was a major thing that was happening for them for that year, just a little bit less, that they were at Sinai. And the reason was is this. This is what's going on. If you get your mind around what's happening, it's really fascinating because from Exodus 19 to Numbers 10, God is establishing what it looks like when he leads a theocracy. A theocracy. A political government that is led by God himself. That's what's going on there. And so we have the, we have the, uh, we have the, the, the divine personality uh, coming in and intercepting the people and explaining, this is how I want to lead you. The divine personality coming down and explaining, this is how I want to govern you. I mean, can you imagine what that would be like? Congress is in session. Fire. Hits the Capitol. The Lord says, Nancy Pelosi. Come up the mountain. That would be intense for her and us. But that would be really, really intense. George Bush, come here. That would be rough stuff. Well, anyway, that's, that's really what was going on. It's great and terrible. Powerful. He's putting in place the, the worship format for, and the societal laws for a theocracy. And so um, we have this interesting promise. I want you to turn over to 2 Corinthians 3. I want to move through this. As I've, as I've been leaning into this this week, the Lord's been encountering my heart with it, and it's, it's powerful to me what, who our God is. You know, we just go Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Okay, those are those kind of, got the, got the Genesis account, some cool stuff in Exodus, and you got this, ugh, until you get through Deuteronomy. Joshua, going to the promised land. You know, we just, we blow off the Pentateuch. And I'm telling you, this is, it's powerful stuff. It is powerful. But look at what the Lord says about the law. Second Corinthians 3. It says, If the ministry of death in letters engraved on stones. He's talking about the law. He's talking about the Ten Commandments. He calls it the ministry of death. Whoa. If that came with glory, so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face, fading as it was, how will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? I'm reading the, the, uh, the NAS version because I like how it says, uh, the NIV and the NKJV say fail to be more glorious, but to, the, it really is more, even more with glory. It's not just the idea of glorious like bright, it's the weight of God upon it is the idea. Even more with glory. How shall the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? For look at this. Look at look at Paul. For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. For indeed, what had glory in this case has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. Paul says that the glory that was going on with them at Sinai is no glory, it's nothing, compared to the glory that we have in the new covenant. Now that's a phenomenal thing for him to say, especially when you look at the glory that they experienced, and he's specifically talking about the introduction of, of the covenant to Israel. He's specifically talking about when the Lord took his finger and engraved on the stones and wrote the Ten Commandments out and gave it to the people. Of course, those ones, Moses came down and he threw those stones and he broke them. But my point is, Paul is taking aim and he's saying, okay, remember the glory in which the Old Covenant was instituted? Remember the initiation of the, the, the Old Covenant and the glory of the Lord in that? He goes, no, it's nothing. It's nothing compared to what you have now in the ministry of righteousness and the ministry of the Spirit. That's provoking. That's provoking to my heart. Because when I read Moses, when I read what happened with Moses, I mean, it is, oh, and so awesome. And I say, Lord, I've never had anything like this. But the word says that that's nothing compared to the glory that I have available now. So I want to just talk about what happened. I want to talk about the glory at Sinai. I want us to get our minds around this. I want to get our eye on the ball. Because you can't really understand where Paul's going in 2 Corinthians 3. And I think we'll pick that up in a a later week. But you really can't get the point of what Paul's even saying unless you understand the glory that was revealed to them in those 11 months at Sinai. Unless you really get what God was doing. You know, I, I read one commentator. I loved what he said. He said, you know, when Moses was bringing the people out... He takes them out of Egypt, three months in the desert, and he brings them out to Sinai. He, they, the commoner said, it's the perfect picture of one that's a friend of the bridegroom. Because in that culture, the, the friend of the bridegroom would take the bride, and the, the friend of the bridegroom would present the bride to the groom. God the groom, your, your maker is your husband, and here's Israel being led out by Moses. And what happens at Sinai is a marriage. It's a marriage covenant. The Lord is drawing them to himself. And Jeremiah proves that out. He says, I I betrothed you to me. And I remember you in the kindness of your youth. And and, and we were married back then. And and he's he's talking about how they've gone astray from that marriage covenant. But God was marrying the nation. He was disclosing himself to them in a powerful way. So I want to take us through a little bit about what was going on at Sinai. Uh... Let's flip on over, Exodus 19. I pray this provokes you this morning. I I pray it, um, it touches you the way it touched me. And is touching me. I pray we get a vision for glory. I pray we get a vision, not just to hear cool stories about glory. You know what I'm saying? But to get a vision to be a people with glory in our midst. To be a people with glory in our midst. Exodus 19, verse 10. They've come out of Egypt. They've been uh, going for three months. They've gone through the Red Sea. They've come to the, the base of Mount Sinai. In verse 10, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them, consecrate them today and tomorrow. Let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day. On the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. What if I came in here and I said, Listen, I've had an encounter last night like nobody's ever had, like I've never had, and the Lord told me that we're to stay here for two more days because today and tomorrow we're supposed to get sanctified because Tuesday God is going to show up right here. Have y'all be like, um, Well, Billy lost his mind. Time to find another place to go to church. But if it was real, if it wasn't flaky and, and, and the truth of was resonating in your heart, you'd be like, What is about to happen? I go, listen, for real, go wash your clothes. What, what do you mean like what do you mean wash my Yeah, wash your garments, cleanse yourself. And husbands and wives stay apart for the next couple of days. For real. God is coming. God is coming. He's coming down. That would do something in you, wouldn't it? I mean, that would, that would create a tremor in your heart a little bit. You're like, what, 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 is, what do you mean? It's going to be a good service? No, God is coming. Power is coming. The power of the Lord, God is coming. I'm serious. You know, if I, and, and you guys would be like, well, what would we do? I, I don't know. He's coming. So here's what happens they're encamped around the mountain, 2.2 million people, give or take. For two days they have this incredible expectation. Their hearts are beating, they're trembling. God is now gonna come down. They've watched God rain down plagues on Egypt, split the Red Sea, rain down bread out of heaven and cause quail to come out of nowhere. Enough to feed millions of people. And now he himself is coming. They know this isn't gonna be a small thing. So they're ready for two days. They get as ready as they know how to get the morning of the third day, they're woke. They're uh, uh, awakened by supernatural explosions of thunder, supernatural uh, lightning strikes. They're not stuff that this natural natural atmosphere produces. It's not of this realm. It's thunder and it's lightning, but it's not like what you've ever seen because it's not made by uh, high pressure and low pressure systems coming and colliding. It's made by God. Thunder awakens them. They come out and they see fire, thunder, smoke, lightning. And it's engulfing Mount Sinai. Power is being released. And then God came down on the mountain, it says. Let's just look at it. Let's just read it. Exodus 19, verse 16. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings. In the morning, you're woken out of bed. I mean, you're sitting there sleeping. Boom! I mean, the the thunder blows up and you wake up to that. That's not the nice little alarm clock, you know. Thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain, and the sound of a trumpet was very loud. Said all the people in the camp who were in the camp trembled. Everybody was trembling. And Moses brought the people out, he's the friend of the bridegroom, to meet with God. So how long does it take to muster 2.2 million people out of their beds, get them dressed, get them ready, and then bring them to the mountain? This is happening for quite some time. They're looking at the glory of the Lord, blowing Mount Sinai to bits. And they're going to walk into it and this trumpet is sounding and the trumpet is blasting louder and louder it's getting louder and louder and louder the more time there is and they stood at the foot of the mountain now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace it is smoking the whole top of this mountain is smoking, billowing smoke out of the top of this mountain and the whole mountain quaked. So now there's an earthquake happening. It quaked greatly. That's not like, can you feel the, is it trembling? The whole thing is shaking. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. It's getting louder and louder and louder, shaking thunders, lightnings. I mean, what does the lightning look like? You guys are used to one little lightning bolt. This lightning's appearing and exploding across the sky and appearing and exploding across the sky. It's it's the glory of the Lord manifesting all these supernatural things. Fire is burning this mountain. Its smoke is ascending like a furnace. The, The mountain is shaking greatly. The trumpet is sounding. They're walking in. And when the trumpet sounds louder and louder and louder, Moses speaks. I go, Lord, what did he say? It's not in there. Just, you know, I don't know what he said. Maybe he went, God, maybe he went, God, I mean, help, I don't know. And then the Lord answers back, what did he say? And then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai. That whole thing was just the, that was the preliminary, because then God came. He came on top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Moses walks into it. And I've always been stunned at what would cause a man, just human frail like us, he's 80 years old, to walk into the midst of that. And we get it over in uh, chapter 20. 2.2 million people, they feared greatly and walked away. (laughs) But Moses went in. I've always wanted that feature in Moses that would cause him to go into the intensity of God rather than pull back from the intensity of God. And what ends up happening is Moses goes up the mountain and the Lord begins to speak to him and there's a, they've created barricades around the bottom of the mountain. The Lord told him to, he said, don't let anyone touch this mountain. When I come down, this thing is sanctified. I'm only asking you, Moses, to come in. Don't let anyone else touch it. And a few of the Israelites begin to break through and, and the Lord and, and Moses are speaking and the Lord says to Moses, go get back down there. He goes, the people are going to come through. He goes, no, no. The, Moses says to the Lord, no, we made barricades. God goes, I'm God, I know. Go back down and keep the people from the mountain. So he goes back down. And when he comes back down in Exodus 20, we get the Lord audibly thundering the Ten Commandments. He audibly thunders them so all the people hear. And after the people hear the voice of God thunder, it says his voice thundered. After we hear, uh, after the 2.2 million people hear the voice of the Lord thunder, they all say, look, Moses, you talk to God and we'll talk to you. Essentially, they say, we can't handle this. It's too much. I've always wanted that feature that Moses had where he could go in no matter how intense God was manifesting, he could go into it and be able to receive from the Lord and not pull back. I don't know how to get there, but I'm like, Lord, expand my capacity to be able to receive so I don't crumble, so I don't bow away, so when it gets intense, challenging, amazing, wonderful, terrible, I don't, I don't shy out of there. I want to stay in. Expand my heart to receive the glory of the Lord. And so what ends up happening is God gives them the Ten Commandments. And they go and and we pick it up in in chapter 24. And the, the Lord tells Moses, he goes, I want to take you and Aaron. He goes, and I want the 70 leaders. I want all of you to come up. All of you. And, and, and Moses writes, and he, and he writes down the book of the covenant, writes down everything the Lord has said for the last four chapters. He sprinkles it with blood. The people affirm the covenant that they're making with God. And Moses takes 70. And, and it's amazing to me because the Lord specifically asked for Aaron and his sons, Nadab and Abihu. Well, later, Nadab and Abihu are going to offer profane fire. They're going to begin to worship God in a way that God did not prescribe and they're going to get killed. But the Lord is actually including them from day one knowing what's going to happen to them in the future. So he goes, Nadab and Abihu get Aaron, get the 70 elders and come up. It's powerful. Let's look over here, Exodus 24. Let's just read this account. This is just unbelievable. Verse 9. The Lord had called him up then Moses went up, and also Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and they saw, the glo- they saw the God of Israel. They saw him. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone. It was like the very heavens in its clarity. Oh God, let this provoke us. Let this provoke us, God. This was no glory. Glory compared to what you said we have. It was like the very heavens in its clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand. He said he didn't, he didn't uh, hurt the 70 elders. He'd invited them up. So they saw God and they ate and drank. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and be there. And I will give you tablets of stone and the law of the commandments, which I have written, that you may teach them So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up the mountain of God. Moses goes up the mountain of God into the presence of the Lord. And the the Bible says that the glory of the Lord rested for six days, and on the seventh the Lord spoke to Moses, and Moses was there with God for, for 40 days. Now, during that forty days, the Lord gives Moses a a bunch of details, a bunch of information. He he gives them the uh, uh, a lot of the specifics about how they're going to worship. He he gives them a lot of details, and and so Moses, I think, is he's crescendoing with the Lord. He's having this incredible encounter him and him and Joshua are there, and then the Lord says, Moses, get back down, the people. They've defiled themselves. They've made a, and the Lord doesn't tell them, but what they've done is they've made a golden calf. If you read the account of the golden calf in Exodus 32 and 33, it's amazing because (laughs) the people come to Aaron. Now, Aaron has just seen the Lord, am I right? Within the last 40 days, he's actually seen him, saw the paved sapphire, saw the Lord, and ate and drank with the Lord on the mountain. But Aaron comes down. The people say, you know, at the end of the 40 days, they haven't seen Moses in 40 days, they say, listen, we don't know what happened to this Moses that took us out. I'll tell you what, we need a God to lead us. And Aaron goes right to it and goes, pull off all your gold. He goes, put all all your gold right here. And and Aaron, he melts the gold down and he fashions a calf. He fashions it. When Moses shows back up, (laughs) it's a funny story, when Moses shows back up, Moses looks at Aaron and he goes, what are you doing? What have you done? And Aaron goes, you know these people? They're a bunch of sinners. He goes, "Uh, you know, they threw all their gold in the fire and this calf jumped out. I'm like, Aaron, that's wrong, Aaron. For an 83-year-old man to be lying like that, Aaron, you just saw the Lord. He said the calf jumped out of the fire. I'm probably no better, but man. So Moses comes back down, and he said, the Lord says the people have defiled themselves, and Moses sees the people are unrestrained, and I think there's a lot to that. I don't think it was just a matter of them uh, worshiping a, a calf. They were unrestrained. Moses comes back down the mountain. He's got the tablets uh, of the Ten Commandments written with the finger of God. He throws them down, breaks the tablets, begins to proclaim to the people, and they are unrestrained. He can't get them under control. I think what's going on there is far more than them sort of worshiping a golden image. I think there's a, a real nasty scene of debauchery happening. And... Uh, Moses calls the Levites. He said, "Whoever's on the Lord's side, come to me." The Levites come over. He said, "Begin to put the people to death. We've got to stop this now." Three thousand people fall at the swords of the Levites that day. The Levites were so zealous for the Lord. The Lord uh, Moses says to the people, "What have you done? This great sin you've done before the Lord." He goes, "You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask the Lord for forgiveness for this." And uh, and the Lord does; He forgives. And I love Moses. (laughs) Exodus thirty-two. I just love what Moses does. He takes the calf, he burns it. Verse twenty of thirty-two. Takes the calf, he burns it, grinds it into dust, puts it in the water supply, and makes everybody drink it. Somebody's like, "Why would he have him do that?" Because he wanted them to get it. This little golden thing you guys have made is no God. It's so puny compared to God. You can drink him. This thing is nothing. And, and what he does is he totally defiles that calf before the people. and makes them drink it. I love the zeal of that. So, here's what happens. Exodus 33. The Lord begins to speak to Moses and he says this. He goes, listen, I'm going to lead you out of Sinai. And he goes, but when I do... I'm not going with you. He goes, what will happen is I will kill all the people if I go with you. He goes, I'll consume them. My, my glory will consume them. He goes, I'll send my angel. I'll send my angel with you. He will lead you. He will deliver you know, all the ites into your hands, all the foreign nations. He'll deliver them. He goes, but I'm not going lest I strike the people. And that's when Moses it starts dealing with him. He goes, that's not good for me. It's not been enough for me to have the Red Sea parting. It's not been enough for me to have the, the uh, you know, 10 plagues on Egypt. It's not been enough for me to have your glory come down on the mountain. It's not been enough for me to have 40 days with me and you and Joshua. That's not been enough. If you're not going to go with us, God, if, if, if this is the end for me with you, if you're not going, I don't want to go. For real, I am not interested. And and here's what Moses said: He goes, I'm not interested in this job description, unless you're going to be close to me. That's what Moses was saying. He goes, you you've said that I found favor, but if I've found favor, come be with me. Don't don't just send an angel. For real, be with me as you've been with me so far. The Bible says that the the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Moses took his tent where he was living. He took it outside the camp and stayed out there. And he would go meet with the Lord there. And when when he would go out to his little tent, the glory of the Lord would appear on his tent. And the people would come out of their tents and they would watch the glory of the Lord appear, and they begin to worship the Lord, looking at Moses' tent. Moses had a very, very tight and intimate relationship with the Lord. The Bible says he spoke to the Lord face to face as a man speaks to, to his friend. What does that mean? That means that Moses was before the Lord. The Hebrew word is panim, right before the Lord, and the Lord was right before Moses. When Moses would go into the tabernacle of meeting, which was Moses' tent, his own little tent, they just renamed it and called it the tabernacle of meeting, because God was meeting with him there. When Moses would go out there, the Lord would come and, and be right here with Moses. This close. And it's from that Moses goes, don't leave me like this. Don't leave me like this. He goes, don't make me lead these people without you. It's because I just want you to come with us. And the Lord said, I will. And then Moses said, listen, I have got to know you I've got to know who you are. I can't just know about you. I can't just see what you do. I've got to know your ways, that I might know your favor. I've got to know you, God. And the Lord says, yes, I will. I'll come. I'll be there with you. And then Moses says, Lord, show me your glory. And that's that's the context of it. This is Moses' heart breaking and yearning and aching for God and he says show me your glory. I just think the Lord he goes, "Oh, Moses." I th- I think Moses is undoing the Lord. I think he's leaving the Lord undone cuz Moses great desire for God. His great desire wasn't to be the cool ruler of Israel. His great desire wasn't even to do signs and wonders and part the Red Sea. Part the Red Sea. He takes his rod, puts it in the water. The water shoots the other direction until millions of people can cross over. It's not just water getting out of the way. The land dries beneath their feet. They get through the firewall that God has done, lifts, they watch the the Egyptian army come and they watch the water destroy them. I mean, Thank God for Disney. That's a great movie, the way they made that look. But that's how it was. The water comes down and destroys them. And Moses goes, it's not enough for me. I don't want to just do signs and wonders. I don't want to just be the cool leader of the people. I want you. There's not a, he goes. He's basically saying there's not a title, there's not a position, there's not a platform. There's nothing you can give me that's okay with me. And I'm not cool with leading them, even leading them into the promised land. I want you to come. Don't tell me an angel is coming. I want you. And then he says, I will come. And he goes, Good. I've got to have all of you. Show me your glory. Show me the depths of who you are. I want to know the very depths of your heart. Moses had been speaking with God face to face, but now he says, I want all of it. All that you are, I want. And I think that heart of desire and passion for the Lord from Moses, that desire is mess I think it's messing the Lord up. I do, I think, you know, he's delighting and pleased, and when we when we're reaching towards him, I think it moves his heart, and I think the Lord's heart, if if, if I can say it that way, is getting so touched over Moses' desire. And so the Lord goes, Okay, here's what we're gonna do. In the morning, you come up to the mountain. He goes, I'm going to take you, and there's a place on the rock besides me, beside me here, which I think is an interesting, it's, it's Exodus 33, 21. He said, the place beside me here. And Moses is at the bottom of the mountain, getting it from the Lord that he's going to go up the next day, but the Lord said, there's a place here beside me. I think the Lord was showing him a vision. I think he was showing him a vision and explaining it to him. Beside me here. He's showing him where to go on the mountain. He goes, I want you to come up the mountain and I will put you in the rock. I will cover you with my hand and I'll make all of my goodness pass before you. All of my goodness. I'm not just going to give you fireworks. I'm not just going to give you thunder. All of who I am, Moses. All of God is going to come Before you, again, the same word, panim. He goes, it's all going to come in your face. Because I'm going to cover you with my hand. and You can't see my front, but when I remove my hand, you'll see my back. And I will proclaim my name to you. So Moses, early in the morning, he gets up. And I love what the Lord said to him. He said, I want you to present yourself to me, Moses. Present yourself to me. It's in Exodus 34, 2. He goes, present yourself to me. I was thinking about that. Many people want the glory of the Lord manifest in their life and among themselves and in their in their congregation. But who wants to present themselves to the Lord? Who will present themselves to the Lord? Who will present themselves to the Lord? He goes, present yourself to me. So Moses gets up early. He cuts out two stone tablets similar to the ones that he'd broken before. He goes up the mountain carrying the two stone tablets. Now think about this. He's 80 years old. He's walking up Mount Sinai. He's carrying two big old hunks of rock. It's only the grace of the Lord. I mean, you can't carry those for 10 feet. He goes up, he presents himself to the Lord. And look at Exodus 34, look at verse five. When you're there, say yes. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Quick little verse. I never caught it before. I always thought the Lord just... Passed right by Moses and said his name. But it doesn't say that. It says, The Lord descended and stood with him there. Moses presented himself to the Lord, and the Lord came down and stood with Moses there. There was an abiding presence of the glory of the Lord. That Moses was interacting with and then in verse 6 the Lord passed by he passed before him directly before him that's that word again panim right in his face the Lord was this close to Moses and for a moment he couldn't see and then he could And the Lord came directly in front of Moses, and when he does, he proclaims his name, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, forgiving, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, by no means clearing the guilty. He proclaims his name into Moses as the Lord is passing directly in front of Moses, and I want to draw your attention to this, that the proclamation of the name of the Lord carries great glory. The revelation of the knowledge of God carries great glory. And when Jesus says in Psalm 22, 22, and in Hebrews 2, verse 12, when he says, I will proclaim your name in the midst of the congregation, it's more than just getting a few of the attributes of God down. It's about an abiding sense of the glory of the Lord resonant among a people who know the name of the Lord. They're intimate with the knowledge of God. If there would be a people who would know God for who God is, I tell you the glory of the Lord would abide in their midst. That's why when when Moses says, show me your glory, the Lord says, I'll proclaim my name to you. Because the glory of the Lord is carried in the name of God. What do I mean by that? I mean this. When you know who God is, the glory of the Lord is resident in the knowledge of him. And that's why we pray Ephesians 1. But I'm going to tell you, I don't even think we get it yet. We've been praying Ephesians 1 for, you know, four years. And I don't think we've even understood why we're even praying for this. But I think what we're really praying for, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, is about the abiding glory of the Lord in the midst of a people. When, when Moses says, show me your glory, he goes, you can't see all the front of me, but I'll bring all my goodness by, uh, before you, right in front of you, and I'll say my name into you, Moses. I'll say my name into you. What's he saying? He goes, Moses, I'll take you as far as I can take you without killing you. I'll give you as much of who I am without destroying you, Moses. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And it's penetrating Moses. And I want to say this. Moses does the Red Sea. Moses calls down 10 plagues on Egypt. He destroys the, the most powerful nation in the world. Moses goes in in Exodus 19 when the thunders and the lightnings and the power of God is r- shaking that mountain and riveting that mountain. He goes in in and, and Exodus 24. and He sees the God of glory. He sees him and his feet on the sapphire pavement. He walks in to every one of those circumstances. But in this one, when the Lord passes by and proclaims name into Moses it is such an intense encounter with the Lord that Moses quickly falls prostrate all the other times he stands in the midst of it this time he falls something about the name of the Lord carrying the glory of God that we don't have a concept of the Lord was with him there he stood with him there he proclaims his name into him there And then in verse 10, see, this is what was going on. This is between God and Moses. This is is all a sidetrack to what God was doing with the nation. God was messing Moses up. In verse 10, look at it, 34, verse 10. Verse 9, Moses makes great intercession. He says, let us be your inheritance that we've been stiff-necked. He goes, just take us as your portion, please. Just, I know we're, we've been rebellious, but please pardon our iniquity and take us as your people. In verse 10, Lord, the Lord responds to the intercessor. He goes, I make a covenant. I make a covenant. And I love how the, uh, the NAS says it. I make a covenant. No, no, it's the NIV. I make a covenant with you. Because it's between God and Moses at that point. He goes, I'm going to make a covenant with you, a covenant of marvels. Before all your people, I will do marvels such as not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. He says, I am going to do stuff no one has ever seen, Moses. I'm going to do it through you. The covenant is between you and I. And he said this, he said, it's going to be an awesome thing. The Lord goes, it will be an awesome thing that I will do with you, Moses. It's just powerful. This thing got really intimate with God really fast. And then here's what happens. The Lord stays again on the mountain Moses stays again on the mountain with the Lord for 40 more days, and this time he doesn't eat or drink, the Bible says. The first time, it's probably a fast. He's probably drinking. The second time, he doesn't eat or drink. I want to propose something. I want to ask you a question. In between the two trips, in between the first trip and the second trip up the mountain, it's, it's a very short period of time. It's maybe a month. It could be as little as 10 days. What does an 80-year-old man look like who's done two 40-day fasts, it's called in a 120-day period of time, who has God appear before him, and he's lit up with the glory of the Lord to such an extent that the nation can't even look at him because of the glory that's coming off of him. In the noonday sun, in in the Arabian desert, they can't stand to look at him because of what's resonating from him. From him. What is that sight? I, I mean, I, I'm just like, what is happening to Moses? Well, I'll tell you how intense what was going on with Moses was. Because it says it in verse 30 of Exodus 34. He comes down the mountain, he doesn't realize his face is shining, and all the people and his brother Aaron are afraid, they're terrified. He looks so intense that his own brother is backing off. See, I think when the Lord releases glory, it's about more than fireworks, it's about more than power, it's about more than God showing off. See, when the Lord releases glory, I think it's ultimately about intimacy. Ultimately about intimacy. Let me show you the verse that I think, to me, is the, the one that has actually got my attention. It's the mo- probably, and in, the, in the chapter, it's one of the, just read it, kind of pass over it verses, but to me, it's the one that says it all. It's Exodus 34, verse three. And no man shall come up with you, and let no man be seen throughout all the mountain. Let neither flocks nor herds feed before the mountain. See, the first time Moses went up, he went with Joshua. But the second time Moses went up, God made the point. He goes, I want this to be between you and I. He goes, I don't want even a man to be on the mountain anywhere. He goes, in fact, I want you to get the entire nation, get all their flocks and herds, and tell them that tomorrow all the flocks and herds have to be taken away from the mountain. He goes, I don't want anyone to even be near the mountain when you and I have our time. See, I think we've made the glory of the Lord about power being released, and about fireworks in the Spirit, and about you know, God blowing people's mind and, and all this stuff. But I think the glory of the Lord is really about intimacy. It's really about God drawing near to the heart of the individual and disclosing himself. And that's what we see with Moses. We see the eternal God and his great desire to disclose his heart to an individual. God goes, I don't want anyone else around. This is between you and I, Moses. I think most of us, we've made the glory of God in our midst about a revival meeting. We've made it about power encounters. We've made it about everything else. All this stuff that we put out in front of people and advertise and I really think that while the glory of the Lord is always, it always has these other manifestations with it, thunder, lightning, you know, fire, smoke, all this stuff. I think the real point of the God, of God revealing his glory to an individual, it's always been about intimacy. I think what we've done is we've taken God and we've marketed him a bit. We've marketed him a bit. When God does amazing stuff in the midst, we point at all the amazing stuff and we forget the God who yearns and longs for people. Why would God, eternal God, reveal himself completely to Moses? Why would he do such a thing? He wanted to disclose himself Intimately. He wanted Moses to comprehend who he was. See, God always wants to disclose his heart intimately. The reason why is he doesn't want his people to worship something that he's not. He wants to say, this is who I am. Now know me. I'm not the fireworks. I'm not that thing you thought I was. This is who I am. When God reveals himself intimately, that's his great desire, that people would know him intimately. When he reveals himself in power and in glory, the point isn't that we we'll just get blown away with power and glory. Does the power and glory blow us away? It sure does. Do souls get saved? Absolutely. But let me tell you something. Yes, souls get saved, but it's unto those souls being Intimate. One of the, I think one of the biggest challenges and, and problems that I've had as a person who's been after revival is we get power to happen, we get people saved when the power happens, and then we forget to, not, to, to, to attach those people to the very heart of God. We just keep them attached to the power. And when the power lifts, those same people that got saved when power was happening get disillusioned and leave when the power is lifted. Because they didn't find who he was intimately. If we could just understand that our God is not a magic wand. He's not a Tinkerbell. He's not some magician. He's not doing some hocus pocus. He's not trying to blow our minds with something spooky, scary, amazing. He is a person (laughs) with emotions and a heart that desires people to know him for real. How much of him do you think we really know? So little, so little of him. He's all the while trying to reveal to us more and more and more. And he takes Moses right to the brink. I believe Moses got everything that was available for a human to get before they die in this life. He got all of God that was possible that if he gets any more of the knowledge of God, he dies. He's unveiling himself in tenderness. He's unveiling himself in desire. He's unveiling himself because he wants to be known. I think if we make the resonation of the glory of God in our midst about anything else but about knowing the heart of our God, we miss the point entirely. Because that's what he was doing with Moses. Sure, there was thunder and lightning, and I mean, sure, there was trumpet blasts and all that and earthquaking and smoke and fire. But ultimately, it was about this. God goes, You want it really, Moses? Come alone. Come alone. And come and know me. Let me say my name into you. I think there's this thing in us where we would rather have the sideshow than intimacy. We'd rather have the explosion than the very heart of God. I I just want to get delivered of that Sideshow revival thing. I want God in the midst so we can have God. Sure, there'll be healings. Sure there'll be salvations. Sure there'll be deliverances. I want all those things, but ultimately I don't want to go up from here in in what we do in ministry if we don't have the Lord. And that's gotta be our aim. I think that's ultimately, ultimately what the revealing of the glory of the Lord is about. About the heart coming to know God. Coming to know God. Okay, let's just stand. Come alone. Come and present yourself to me. You know, I think the Lord is probably inviting people into that. Into a season where they would come alone. They would present themselves to the Lord. I believe the Lord wants to change our paradigm of why there's power. Why there's glory. It's because he wants to reveal himself. That we would know who he is. We'd know him intimately. He's not a feeling. He's not simply power. He's not simply a miracle. He's God. He has feelings and emotions. The depth of who he is is his glory. God, reveal your glory. Reveal your glory. Reveal your glory. Show me your glory. Forgive us for cheapening who you are. Forgive us. Show me your glory, Lord. You said we have greater glory that pales to what Moses had. Forgive us for wanting the power of God for advertising purposes, for newsletter stories. want your glory that we might know you we might be with you where you are show me your glory